Welcome to another episode of Depression, Bipolar, and Anxiety, Living as a Latter-day Saint. I'm your host, Damon Soka. This week is National Suicide Prevention Week. Although I'm going to admit, personally, I'm a little conflicted over the idea of a National Suicide Prevention Week. I recognize the need for spreading the word. But these national awareness campaigns tend to lump everything into a nebulous that is difficult to unravel and to know what to do. Suicide is a complex issue. It is an individual issue. Aggregating everyone who deals with this issue into one week of awareness just doesn't feel right. It feels like we, like a knee-jerk reaction, like a we-need-to-do-something type of reaction, or it's-better-than-nothing type of answer. And I'm not so sure that's the right approach. Suicide deals with the ultimate level of unknowns, and as I have said before, the brain does not like the unknown. In fact, the brain abhors the idea of the unknown. So much so that it will, one, refuse to recognize it, two, unconsciously fill in the blanks, or three, sometimes our brain just makes stuff up. We will create stories and timelines to truly avoid facing that abyss of the unknown, to say we don't know. Unknowns cause us great anxiety, so much so that we will at times do almost anything to avoid them. And so it is not surprising that we find suicide in the don't touch this box. We will acknowledge that the box exists and what is in it, but we're going to avoid it. It can feel as though if we touched the box, somehow the suicide virus would become part of us. But it's not just death that causes such a cavern of the unknowns in our minds. Suicide is most often linked with another unknown that is perhaps more concerning to individuals than even death. Suicide is often linked directly with mental illness. And for, some re for someone who is looking into that box, mental illness is an even more concerning abyss. Mental illness deals with one of the unknowns that is the most concerning to us as human beings. That is, that we might not fully be in control of what is happening in our bodies. Now, yes, we actually control very little in the automated portions of our mind and bodies. And I really don't think we want to consciously control our heartbeat or breathing or the regulation of our body chemistry. But these controls provide for stability in the body. So the reality is, is that we really are not concerned about these controls that actually provide us value. Mental illness, however, provides for a significant emotional instability with no known remedies or cures. Yeah, we have medications, but they are far from totally effective. And once diagnosed with an illness, there really exists no timetable for you to get better. You will have this instability likely for your lifetime. And it, while it can be manageable, management requires significant time, effort, and processing time in the brain. Mental illness not only causes serious issues with the unknown, but actually can feel very defeating in the sense of future hope. Ultimately, if given the choice, the true choice, many people would prefer to deal with death than with mental illness. Strangely, with death, there is a sliver of hope and thoughts or hopes of relief, meaning the unknowns of death feels better than the unknowns of mental illness. And so, we have created a week devoted to reminding us of the two great unknowns in our lives that we face 
here in mortality. Most of us, even those of us who suffer with mental illness, are going to struggle with these two unknowns. So much so that I will admit most people simply do not know what to do when confronted with such a thing as a National Suicide Prevention Week. Other than to post a couple of cute memes and maybe a reminder of a family member who has died. Once we've completed our task of this blindly informing the world that we recognize suicide is an issue, we go back to our normal lives. What else can there be? Now, we can feel as though we've done our part. For the most part, we just don't know what to do or what else we can do. I admit to doing exactly that. I've reposted memes and have broadcast into the friend space. Is there really anything more for those of us who suffer and for those who don't for us to do? Now, suicide, mental illness, and other nebulous subjects that possess great unknowns are going to be difficult topics to talk about. I get it. I'm not going to walk up to my best friend and say, let's talk about suicide. But maybe, just maybe, that is part of the issue. Maybe we should have more conversations about it. And I'm not talking a passing note, but a real discussion about mental health and suicide. Now, most of the information I see and read regularly about suicide comes from the mainstream media. Of course, when I'm not researching something about it. And I admit that our popular culture has created a fairly serious problem. The way the majority of individuals view suicide is wrong. And the modern culture has perpetuated these ideas. We want to see suicide as something we can contain, we can place in a box. We want to see it as definable, readable, identifiable, and homogenized. We want suicide to be like the flu. Small variations, but still the flu. But the problem is that it is not. And here are a few things that are actually true about suicide and things that we can discuss that would actually be helpful to our situation. First, not all suicide comes from mental illness. Yes, much of it does, and I admit that those who attempt suicide, not having been diagnosed, at least in the moment, have some serious mental distress. But that doesn't mean that mental illness has taken hold of the process. We really need to see suicide as more than a mental health issue in a box. It is a stress issue, a loneliness issue, a relationship issue, and so much more. We need to be open and honest about our concerns and issues. Two, for the most part, suicide is going to take time. It is very rare for someone to attempt suicide without serious contemplation for a period of time. It takes time for the body to overcome the survival instinct that is hardwired into our brain. This means that we almost always have time to address suicide before it becomes a no-win situation. But it takes making it more accessible and more common in our discussions. Three, talking about suicide does not increase the chances it will occur. For some reason, we have this superstition or fear in our heads that if we say the word suicide, it will cause our children, our family, our friends to all of a sudden contemplate it and then attempt it. That somehow by saying the word, it becomes an option for someone or as if we gave someone a virus. The truth is, is that this is simply a superstition with no real evidence or support. Individuals who discuss suicide in a supportive environment, not supportive of suicide, but supportive of the person, 
actually rarely commit suicide. Discussing suicide in appropriate ways is actually the antidote to suicide, not the impetus. Suicide, number four, suicide is actually an emotional response to high levels of stress for significant periods of time. Reducing the stress is actually one of the main methods of reducing suicide. Talking about major stress points in our lives is actually healthy and provides significant relief from built up emotional distress. Now this should be fairly easy to accomplish with someone as most people will talk about their troubles, but it is important to talk about the real issues and not just the surface ones. And that will take more time and a greater trust. Five, it is not unusual for individuals close to this person contemplating suicide not to have any clue that they have thought about it. And this may and does include husbands, wives, children, brothers, sisters, very close friends, aunts, uncles, you name it. Why is the real question. Sometimes we are too close to the problem to see it. Sometimes we are the problem. And even and often, even when we are suffering immensely, we tend to put on a good face. I've spoken about masking regularly in these podcasts, and individuals contemplating suicide tend to put on a good face. I've spoken about masking, and individuals contemplating t- tend to be actually very good at it. So just because you don't suspect it doesn't mean that the person has not thought about it or even planned it. There are, there are indicators that commonly accompany suicide, but there is no set of absolute indications. Suicide, beyond the indicators, tends to also build slowly. And so we are unlikely to see drastic changes in a person if we are around them daily. Almost also, almost all people tend to react badly when someone mentions thoughts of suicide. People generally do not know how to react or what to do when someone says, I have had suicidal thoughts. The truth is rather than immediately react and attempt to get someone to a psychiatrist, which isn't a terrible idea, we should ask questions about their concerns and issues. Now, I'm not asking you to be a clinical psychologist or psychiatrist and to diagnose illnesses, but you can ask about those things, those feelings, those things that are causing the distress. You can ask how they feel, why they feel it, why do they believe they feel this way, how often have they been having thoughts, have they made plans to attempt to move forward, what do they feel is causing this distress, what do they feel would help them. Sometimes is can be as easy as tell me what is going on in your life and then asking some follow-up questions. Again, it simply sometimes can be just as easy to tell me what is going on in your life and then ask follow-up questions. In almost every case, individuals simply need a non-judgmental listening ear, not a white jumpsuit with the arms sewn in the front. Just helping them with their concerns can be what is needed. Should they see a doctor? Yes, but it may not need to be that day, hour, or even that week. Stating that you will always be there if they want to talk generally is not going to provide significant benefit. Yes, it affirmatively states that you're going to help, but what you are asking them is to have the desire to get help, then to make the call to you, then have the conversation, 
and hope that you aren't too busy and understand the gravity of the situation without the, without you, without them telling you directly. For someone who is suffering, this really isn't normally possible. Certainly, if someone is suicidal, we would pick up the phone and talk for as long as they needed. But suicide is so individual as a process that no one knows exactly where that point will be for any one person. And that includes the person experiencing the distress. We need to get away from this hotline idea that is truly only a minimal stopgap and talk early and often about those things that distress and stress our lives. We don't have to make the conversation about suicide every time either, and not even regularly. We need to address the problems, not just the reaction. And that requires addressing those stresses we feel in life and then working through them effectively. If we can get if we can help those around us to work through emotional stress in healthy ways, we can go a long way to actually addressing that suicide problem. Number six, suicide tends to beget or beget suicide. This is simply a note that when a suicide does occur or an attempt, vigilance is going to be required for the next few weeks and months. When someone breaks that barrier, it can make it easy for others to follow. And also of note, if someone is feeling serious stress in their life, sufficient that they are suicidal, those around them might also likely be experiencing similar issues and having already thought about it and planned for it, now have lost some of their own support. Okay, number seven, suicide is not just a young adult or teenage issue. Suicides occur in all age ranges and with all types of people and cultures. It is interesting to note though, the more acceptable it is found to be in a culture, the more it does occur. I guess that makes sense. Number eight, suicide tends to be noted more when a religious person attempts it, but it has been noted in various studies that religious affiliation tends to reduce suicide rather than increase it. However, rigid religious societies can produce stresses that may cause emotional distress leading to suicide. Now, this has been a source of contention for many individuals dealing with same-sex attraction, gender identity issues, and LGBTQ concerns, and the doctrine of the Church of Jesus Christ. However, this stress within religious circles is actually not new to the suicide discussion, and has actually occurred for many reasons over the millennia that mortals have actually inherited this earth. Often, suicide is not directly related to the religious tenets that are destructive or stressful as to the lack of mercy shown by those who ascribe to those tenets. Parents, leaders are often so focused on the idea of perfection, exaltation, and responsibilities, and even social pressures in trying to keep individuals on the straight and narrow that they can lose track of what is appropriate levels of pressure upon whom they serve. And they move forward, they move forward from love and concern to what can be turned unrighteous dominion or force. Yes, we can do the wrong wrong thing for the right reason, but a good reason never justifies a bad choice or unrighteous dominion or what we can call forced obedience. We need to be supportive, loving, merciful, and allow individuals to forge their path. 
One of the most difficult things to do in this life is truly to allow someone we love to choose paths that do not lead to exaltation. I don't ascribe to the idea that somehow religious tenets or doctrine leads specifically to suicide. What leads to suicide is force, compulsion, and a lack of mercy and understanding. Allowing individuals agency and being merciful, long-suffering, and loving will always lead away from that stress and suicide. Number nine, no one wants to say this, but sometimes a suicide is difficult to stop. Sometimes individuals have gone so far down the road that it is going to be difficult to bring them back. Thus, all the more reason to talk about it early and often. About half the population of the world, this number 10, is going to deal with suicidal thoughts. Having a suicidal thought does not mean you will attempt suicide. Most people who have these thoughts don't. It is a chemical response to high levels of stress. Now, no one should ever feel like these thoughts or these feelings are a sin. It is also not a sin to discuss them. It is not a sin to have them, but we do need to address them. Often people are ashamed of these thoughts, both religiously and culturally, and they really shouldn't be. All it is is a signal from the body that you were under significant stress. And so they don't discuss this. And this means that without necessary changes, the feelings and the thoughts are actually likely to increase. So we need to be that person willing to help and to discuss it. 11. Finally, while suicide by definition is a sin, I do not believe that very many individuals will be held accountable for it. For suicide to occur, the brain must overcome the hardwired survival instinct that requires a that actually requires a great deal of stress, turmoil, and commotion in the emotional system. In fact, the body and mind have a few stop gaps to prevent suicide. So when a suicide attempt occurs, one can be certain that serious, serious issues have caused the mind and body to push through those stop gaps. When a suicide attempt occurs, our last thought should be sin, and ultimately we should never think of sin. Let's not worry about whether it is a sin. Let's help fix the reasons why the body is screaming. Cool. So let's turn this week into more than just a meme. What can you do this week or I do this week? Here are just a few ideas that are probably more helpful than just posting a meme on Facebook. Have a mental health discussion with your family, friends, or co-workers. Preferably, the discussion should happen with individuals who might be dealing with difficult moments in time or even suicidal thoughts. The discussion does not need to be formal, does not need to be long, and does not specifically need to be entirely about suicide. A discussion about suicide should actually address the causes, meaning we should talk about the major stresses in our lives. We should talk about suicidal thoughts and how we can work through them. We should talk about those, th those thoughts being a signal from the body that's, that is under significant stress. And then we should talk about how to reduce that stress, especially when we can't remove ourselves from the situation. Number two, research suicide or mental illness in some form. Educate yourself on how you can help. Then share that research with someone else. Number three, write a letter, an email, or a message to someone that you love them. Better yet, call someone and just talk about life and what is stressing them. Four, if you know how to help someone, then provide the help. 
and you don't have to help the actual person suffering. Sometimes giving a caretaker a break for a weekend can be more help than anything else. Number five, if you know a physician, talk to them about mental illness and find out what they know. Six, ultimately, if you do nothing else this week, be kind and understanding to those around you. You never know who might be passing through a difficult moment in time and who might be on the edge of a cliff. A little kindness goes a long ways. A smile, a wave, a hug, a fist bump, or even a you did a great job today. I remember an older gentleman when I was growing up. Didn't know him or his family. He lived on the road between seminary and the school. The road was a busy one, and every day he would wave at each car. I thought it a little strange, but then I heard a story, a short one about it. The story goes that the man was driving on that road when this older gentleman had moved into the nursing home and began to wave at cars. That man had decided to commit suicide that day, but that one wave made a difference to him and made him rethink his life a little, and he got some help. Sometimes all we need to know is that someone cares. I also remember the story of a person putting signs on a bridge that was common that was a common place for suicide. They were compliments and positive expressions of concern and love. Yes, they were not specific to the person, but a few people have noted that those signs made a difference in their decision to end their own life. Simple and small things matter a great deal, and we don't need to go to the extreme or even get out of our narrower window of activities to accomplish something that will make a big difference. Being nicer, kinder, more loving, and forgiving for one week might just be the best thing anyone can do. Whatever you do this week, I implore you to involve that being who is most concerned for the welfare of the soul. The Lord loves those whom he chastises with such difficult illnesses. And he will do almost anything he can within the limits of agency and the trial to help them bear the load he has approved. Much of that time, that means mortal hands doing some of the heavy lifting and loving. May the Lord bless you in this week to see those things you can do this week and every week to help those in need. May you do your part so that the Lord can do his part. Until next week, may you feel and know how much the Lord loves you and understands you. Sometimes I almost feel like Moroni who said that the Lord had shown him our day and us. I feel sometimes as though the Lord allows me just to feel a piece of what you're feeling, and my heart breaks at times, and is overcome with desire to help. Finally, if you are feeling suicidal and feel you have no more options, or you're just feeling suicidal, or you are having increased suicidal thoughts, call someone you trust and let them know. If you can't think of anyone whom you trust, then call a hotline and let them know. If you don't feel comfortable doing any of that, then you can call or email me, and I promise to listen without judgment. I can be reached at the following phone number, 509-263-8361, and my email is dtsoka at gmail.com. That is D as in Damon, T as in Troy, and S-O-C-H-A at gmail.com. Until next week.